Thank you for tuning in to the Connection College podcast. We are the college ministry of Connection Church. Our desire is to connect you with others, equip you to follow Jesus, and send you out to impact the world. For more information about our ministry, you can follow us on social media or visit our website at connection.church college. Today's talk is by our college pastor, Austin Hagen. All right, all right. We doing good? Come on, y'all doing good? It's so good to see you. All right. Well, um, as you know, if you've been coming for the past few weeks, we're wrapping up a kind of a collection of talks that we've been in around dating and relationships. And even last week covered a little bit about sexuality as it pertains to all of that. And so it's been a fun uh, few weeks, but I've been uh, really looking forward to tonight. So thanks for coming in and uh, really believe it's going to be helpful for you tonight. So I've got up here some friends that I want to introduce to you. Maybe many of you uh, maybe already know who they are, um, but I'll let them introduce themselves. By the way, that's going to happen. I didn't tell you that. Sorry. Um, they're going to introduce themselves um, and then we're going to get into some questions. But before we do that, um, I want you to know, as I was thinking about who to invite onto this panel, there was a ton of people that I thought of. Um, Man, so many people in our community that I really trust, uh, so many people in our church that I really trust. We've got incredible staff and pastors that I knew would come up here and do a great job. Um, but in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I really want to find people who spend, like, a lot of their time talking with young adults, a lot of their time discipling young adults, because they, they know a lot of the unique struggles that you guys go through as a young adult specifically as it pertains to dating and relationships and sexuality. And so um, I started thinking and praying about that, and these four individuals came to my mind. And so I reached out and uh, got them all here, which I'm, I'm super pumped about. Um, but I want you to know this. They have a heart for you. They have a heart for people your age, and they spend a lot of their time, each one of them, I could tell you um, how they invest their lives into young adults. But they care deeply for you. They care deeply for your generation. And so as they speak tonight, I know they're speaking out of a love for you and out of a desire for you to follow Jesus and follow him well. And so that's why they're up here, and I'm excited to, um, to hear each one of them. They're wise, and um, you guys are going to bring it. I know it. So, Miss Beth, will you start us off? I want you to, <laughs> I want you to meet each one of them. Miss Beth, go ahead. Who are you? Beth Page. <laughs> Miss Beth Page, yeah. And uh, Miss Beth, you have a few children, right? Children. You have three children. Children. Three spouses to my children. Yeah, they're and the all married. Best part is I have six grandchildren. Six grandchildren. All Come on. Five and under. Yeah, so and uh, Miss Beth leads one of our small groups here. In fact, they meet right before college nights out in one of the trailers, and she does an incredible job discipling them. In fact, if you're in Miss Beth's group, anybody here tonight? You're in Miss Beth's group. <laughs> Come on, I see you. All right, <laughs> they love you. Uh, and so she spends, man, if you ever go to Three Tree, there's a good chance you're going to see Miss Beth there sitting down across from the table from a young lady reading the scriptures. So glad you're here, Miss Beth. Thanks. All right, next, Ramsey. My name is Ramsey Waters. <laughs> yeah. Ramsey, you, and the reason I asked you is because you have a unique perspective on dating and relationships because, uh, I mean, you've been married for a long time. Four months. You've been married for four months. So uh, I love the perspective that you'll bring to tonight because you're newly married, just out of kind of that dating, engaged 
uh, season. Is your husband here? He is. Loy, where right you at? Let's go, Loy. All right. Miss <laughs> Beth, I forgot to ask you, how long have you been married? 37 and a half years. 37 and a half years. Love it. Before y'all were born. <laughs> Way before you were born. <laughs> So uh, Ramsey, uh, Ramsey leads a small group with our church as well, full of young adults. In fact, a lot of them are right here. Y'all say hello. Yeah. And so um, she, she uh, cares deeply for um, your generation. So that's why I asked her. All right. Mr. Jay. Hi. Uh, my name is Jay Bosley. I'm director of crew here. And uh, me and my family have been here since 2009. And uh, we have three children. Yeah, you do. Old, they're like old children, right? <laughs> they are, well, comparatively, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I've got a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 11-year-old. Yeah, I love that. I said old because mine are, are like tiny. Yes, they're so, not tiny. That's, yeah, yeah, they talk back. That's, uh, so. <laughs> I love that. And uh, like Jay said, he's the director of crew, and I really trust his wisdom and what he's going to bring to the conversation tonight. So thanks for being here, Jay. All right, last but not least, Mr. Air Jordan himself. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm Jake Cooper. Uh, I am on staff with Athletes in Action here at Georgia Southern. Yeah. Um, I was the guy that wrestled at that event here back in October, uh, if you remember me there, so in case I look familiar. But uh, played football here from 2015 to 2019, uh, was involved in AI as a student, and then uh, went full-time shortly after that. I've been on staff for about three years now. Yeah, I love that. And Jake, I know you spend a ton of time just sitting across from tables from students and, and discipling them. So uh, excited to have you here. Yeah, glad to be here. So you guys have sent in, uh, I think after I mentioned it last week, y'all, my phone was blowing up. So y'all sent in a bunch of questions. In fact, it's been blowing up all day today. Um, just so you know, some of the questions, in fact, many of the questions uh, we won't have time to get to. But in my best attempt, I tried to get a bunch of them together. It seemed like there was a common theme amongst all the questions. And I tried to say, okay, Obviously, a lot of students are asking this, so let's tackle this. And so I've got a list of a bunch of them here, and we're just going to go for it, okay? If you got notes, I'd recommend you write down some things, and it's going to be a little bit unfiltered, and uh, we're going to get some wisdom tonight. You ready? Okay. I'm going to try to start it off kind of easy, okay? Kind of easy, and um, we'll go with this one. Do you think it's okay for the girl to pursue the guy? So an example being like, is it okay for a girl to ask a guy on a date? Got a lot of that question, actually. So what do you guys think? <laughs> uh, They're looking at me because I'm old school. Is that what I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, so I would say it's not best. Okay. That's my opinion. Um, and here's the reason. Because if you're dating, you're going, you're thinking towards marriage. And in the marriage, you want the guy to be the leader. And if, if marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, then Christ pursues us. He chooses us. And he's the bridegroom. And we're the bride. And we say yes to him. Mm. And so I think that our relationships here on earth, our earthly relationships, should reflect that. Mm. So that was why I would say it's not best. I'm not saying it's not permissible. I'm just saying it's not best. That's good. I love that answer. Yeah, anybody else? 
Yeah, I agree with that because um, you're kind of setting your you're setting that pattern as the trajectory of your relationship. So if you want to lead every aspect of your relationship forever, you're kind of setting yourself up to be the leader. But now, on the other hand, I will say this: a lot of times, I think Christian females in general feel like because of that, they just have to like go hide in a corner and hope a guy notices them. That's not what we're saying either. Like all you guys don't need a lot, ladies. All you need is like just smile and just say, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh, dude, that girl, she loves me. I'm, you know, I'm in. So all you need to do is give them a little bit of encouragement and then they will, you know, then they can take the next step. So it doesn't mean you have to like run away from them. You know, you can give them a little, just a little hint. And uh, that's all that they need because they already think they're doing well. So. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. I love that. All right, let's, let's jump to the next one, okay? Uh, what is the balance between just waiting for a relationship to form or putting myself out there? So um, for a guy, you know, should I ask a girl on a date to see if there's something there? Or should I only ask a girl on a date when I'm confident that there is something already there? Does that make sense? You guys understand? What's the balance between just kind of waiting for it to happen or taking some initiative and going for it? I think it depends on the situation. Um, I mean, if you know that there's interest already there with someone that you're trying to pursue, then yeah, like ask them out on a date. But um, dating is the, is the job interview for marriage. Like you, you take someone on a date to see if that is someone that you want to pursue for marriage. Like the first date, does, you don't have to have it all figured out on the first date. Like it's okay to take someone out on one date to see if, hey, is this person saying who they say they are? Like, are they a believer? Like, do they, um, do they desire the same, same things I desire when it comes to pursuing a godly marriage? Are they following Christ? Like, are they pursuing purity? Like, do they treasure the same things that I treasure? Hmm. Um, and you can find a lot of that out by going on a date with somebody. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be, all be figured out on the first day. That's why you, you can go on multiple dates with someone before you make a decision. So um, a cool analogy I heard of this is like, uh, dating's like going to the airport. You don't, you don't sit in the airport. You go to the airport to get to a destination. Um, so you date to get to a destination, which is marriage. Great answer. Anybody else want to give a thought? It's good. All right, next one. I really, really like this one. How long should you date before getting engaged? I think this is cool because we spend a lot of our time kind of talking to people who are on the the like beginning stages of dating, and we talk through, you know, how do I ask the girl on a date, that first one or whatever, we talk through kind of the beginning stages. But there are some students in here who have been dating for a long time, and they're ready to, they're ready to go for it. So is there wisdom around how long you should date before getting engaged? I'll speak into this, I guess. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I heard one time, I think it was Ben Stewart in one of his podcasts or sermons, but um, it was dating is a process you go through, not a status that you sit in. And so that's something. That Say one more time. Dating is a process that you go through, not a status that you sit in. Wow. And so I think in order to date or while you're dating, whenever you're looking at engagement, of course, marriage is the goal if you do desire marriage. Um, but... You look at this person, you ask them, how long do I need to figure out if they are a suitable spouse for me? Um, work through things that you need to see all sides of them, too. I think that's important. And then once you've figured out those things, go for it. Yeah. What 
what y'all think. Anybody else? I think that there's no exact time formula yeah. or, or uh, you know, exact time frame that you could chart out for someone, but enough time that you're out of the honeymoon phase where you're unable to see clearly any of the red flags that might be there, and you have enough time to expose yourself to them in a variety of different settings. Yeah. What are they like with their family? What are they like uh, when they have two tests in one day, you know? What are they like when they hadn't had enough sleep? Like, you're just observing them in different scenarios and situations. And even I heard some wisdom when I was in college, which was a long time ago, <laughs> uh, which was even, like, the different seasons. Like, just having time to, like, get to know who they are and their heart and their character and um, how they respond in a variety of different ways. Um, so I think there's definitely wisdom, you know, in that. Um, now, if you talk to people who came home after World War II, sometimes they dated for like two weeks and they got married and, you know, but I think just in general, wisdom is, you know, enough where you, you aren't just blinded by emotion and you're able to, you know, see things like, okay, what are they, what are they really like spiritually, yeah. you know, uh, what's their walk with the Lord actually like, uh, do they serve people around them? So you're just, you have enough time to actually observe their character. Yeah. I love that. Let me chime in as well, because I've actually heard the seasons thing as well, that, that you should date long enough where you can go through each season with that person that you're dating. So for those of you who can't put two and two together, that's like a year. Just messing with you. Um, so maybe, maybe date for a year. And I think there's wisdom in the seasons, literally like the different seasons. You know that some people uh, <laughs> can come across as like a different person in the winter than they are in the summer. And I think it's wise to just be able to be with somebody through all seasons, but also uh, kind of metaphorically as well, through all seasons of life, good times of life, bad times in life. I love the wisdom of like, man, can you uh, go home for Thanksgiving, go home for Christmas? Are you around them during all the different seasons before um, you make that commitment to engagement? So for those of you who just like an actual, give me a time, uh, I think a year is good. But I know people who have gotten engaged after dating for six months, and they're doing great. So I, I think it's just what is wisdom around that. Y'all agree? Yes, please. I would say one additional thing. Have one good fight and see how oh. you uh, both respond to conflict. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you a story, quick story. My daughter called me from Barry College, and her and her boyfriend at that time had had a major fight. And she called, Mom, we've had a fight. And I was like, great. <laughs> and she was like, what? What is this? Why is this good? And I was like, because you have to know how to manage conflict. If that is the one for you, you must know how to manage conflict. And so I would say have at least one really good fight. That's great. I love that. Okay, next one. This one, uh, I love this one as well. Should I date a godly person even if I am not physically attracted to them? So, man, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He loves Jesus. I, he's just not there, like, physically, but, man, I really respect him as a person. Should I just go for it? That's a tough one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I would say check your heart before 
whenever you're thinking that of somebody, you see that they have all the characteristics of a godly man or girl, man or girl, yeah, man or woman, um, and you're hesitant because you might not think they're a 10, like, go for it, you know, find the godliest person that you know and ask them on a date, I mean, because like Jake said, you're just, you're figuring it out, just because you go on a date doesn't mean you're going to marry them tomorrow, um, but I think, too, of Proverbs 31, um, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman, um, oh gosh, now I just mind blank, but a woman who fears, fears, fears the Lord is to be praised. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're going to have wrinkles, and there's always going to be somebody prettier than us, but whenever you are running towards the Lord with somebody that you have committed your life to, I mean, that's it. That's what yeah, you need. Find yeah. somebody who's going to love you unconditionally and pursue Jesus with you and give them a shot. Mm-hmm. Love it. Jake, you seem like you're going to answer. Yeah, I just wanted to, to add to that. I think, I think if you're asking that question, um, I would just ask why, why aren't you attracted to them? Because I think if they're a godly person and we're a godly person asking this question, then we should be attracted to those godly assets that they have. Um, attraction is important, like Ramsey said, but it shouldn't be ultimate. Um, and I think a lot of the things that we find attractive in a person are um, shaped around the things that we consume in our world. Um, and I can say that firsthand too. Um, pornography consumed my life a lot of years um, from a little kid all the way through college. Um, and that really affected the way how I view women and how I dated women. Um, even while I was a Christian, it was a huge struggle for that. Um, and it wasn't until I started soaking myself in God's word and really allowing the spirit to change my heart um, that I started to become more and more attractive, uh, attracted to the things of a godly woman and not as much putting the physical attractiveness at the top of the pedestal, um, but putting the godly, godly attributes at the top. Um, but I mean, if you use your hand as an example to kind of what to look for in a godly woman, um, everyone has a pointer finger. It's points, you use it to point into the right direction. Um, are you going in the right direction? Is that girl going in the right direction as you? Everyone has a middle finger. This finger can be used to communicate something very quickly to somebody, right? <laughs> so if you have good communication skills to that person, that would be another good thing to look for in that. I'm just kind of showing you guys the order of kind of what to look for in this area. Um, your ring finger, that shows commitment. Like, are they committed to wanting to spend the rest of their life with you or pursuing that, that route with you? Um, your thumb, it's um, opposable. Is that the right word? Opposable? Yeah. So you want someone that compliments you in your relationship. And then this pinky finger, that represents physical attraction. So there's a place for it, but it's not ultimate. Now, if I had to lose a finger, like if I had to cut one of my fingers off, I'd cut the pinky finger off. Right? So that kind of shows like the rank and role that you should look for in terms of physical attraction. So it does have its place. Like I'm not saying, yeah, just go find the, the person that you're just the least attracted to and date them, but also just like Ramsey said, yeah, like take them on a date and, and you know, sometimes that, that correlates over time after you, after you date somebody. But it all com- depends on, you know, what you're consuming can really affect that, what you're desiring and what you're not desiring, so. I would say, too, that the more you hang out with somebody, the more attractive they can become. Mm-hmm. As you see their heart, it becomes more about that and not necessarily what they look like That's on the right. outside. Right. That's or great. the less attractive they become, which is Absolutely. also helpful yeah. to me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Great answers. Um, I love this one. I've been growing a lot in my faith recently. It's really become my own, my own, and I am actively participating in the church and my relationship with Christ. 
but my significant other has been stagnant and even seems a little resistant. How should I handle this? Um, so one of the, the best advice that I got about dating in college was this, is that the goal of our lives is to pursue Jesus with all of our heart. So as you are pursuing Jesus, if you're dating someone and they are also pursuing Jesus, you're going to get closer to each other and you're going to get closer to Jesus and it's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. But if you're pursuing Jesus with all of your heart and they're stagnant and they're staying back here, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to pursue Jesus and you're going to become more disconnected from them and realize this is not working because I value Jesus more than anything else in this world, and I'm not going to give him up for this relationship. Or you're going to make a decision that they're actually more valuable than Jesus, and you're going to start stagnating too. And so if the goal of your life is to love Jesus, then you're going to want to be in a relationship with someone who also has their goal to love Jesus. Because at the end of your life, being in a marriage that reflects the glory and the beauty of Jesus is the goal of Christian marriage. And if that's not their goal, you're going to be very frustrated your entire marriage because you have different goals and aims in your marriage. And so if, you know, who you date is who you marry. And so if, you're da if you want to marry someone who loves Jesus, then you're going to need to date someone who loves Jesus. To add to that, um, I heard Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, say, three most important decisions that you'll ever make, choices that you'll ever make, is who's going to be your master, what is going to be your mission, and who is going to be your mate. That third one can greatly affect the first two. Yeah. So that's a really important part. You, you've got to serve Jesus. You, he's got to be your master first and foremost. He gives you, he puts you on mission. But if you choose the wrong mate, and I've seen it happen, you, you won't be able to fulfill the first two. Yeah. And I think by wrong mate, you don't mean like there's pressure to find the exact perfect one, but rather the wrong mate as in you choose someone who doesn't love Jesus, then it's going to do exactly what Jay said. It's going to pull you backwards. And that's a very, very important decision. That's great. Um, kind of a, a similar question, but a little bit of a different angle uh, what should you do if you know the person you're dating or want to date has a relationship with Christ and is an overall good person, but is just distracted by the quote-unquote college life? Um, and in quotes, bars, drinking, partying, that kind of thing. So what do you do if, if you, know, you know they're a Christian, they love Jesus, but they're just distracted right now? I'll definitely answer this one, but I just answered one. But I, actually, this is probably the only one that I really want to answer of the whole thing, so I'll definitely answer this <laughs> okay. I can be quiet for the rest of the time. So one of the biggest um, moments of clarity, my wife and I lived overseas for several years, and I came back. We were on staff at UGA, and I was sitting down with a student, and I said, are you a Christian? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely a Christian. I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, well, would you say you're a follower of Christ? He goes, well, no, I wouldn't go that far. And I was like, that's what Christian means, bro, you know? And, um, but I realized that in our culture, we use the word Christian in a different way than the New Testament uses the word Christian. Yeah. What we mean when we say uh, Christian 
in our culture is someone who prayed a prayer when they were seven or went through confirmation at 11. And that's what, that's the cultural meaning of that. But in the New Testament, a Christian meant that their lives are dedicated to following Jesus. And so a lot of times I think there's confusion about who we're dating because we're like, well, they're a Christian, meaning that, yes, they claim to believe in God. But that doesn't mean that they're actually following Jesus. Um, you know, the, the demons believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, but they don't love him. They don't delight in him. They don't treasure him. So I think the real question you need to ask yourself is, it, am I dating someone who loves Jesus, not just someone who understands that Jesus died on the cross, but they actually have genuine, authentic faith? Mm-hmm. Because that, I think, gets a lot of, that, I think, brings clarity to a lot of the questions that college students ask. Absolutely. Anything else? I, I would add this. Um, that's brilliant, Jay. And I, on top of that, I would say this. Um, you're taking a big risk, taking a big risk that one day they're going to come out of that. And that's not a guarantee. And so if you're just holding on hope that, you know, one day that lifestyle will end for them, I don't think that's a guarantee. And, and you know, we, we have in our mind this idea of college that it's just these four years and go kind of sow your wild oats and have fun or whatever. And then when you get out, then it'd be time to really settle down and, and you know, start going to church and all that kind of stuff. That's not a guarantee. And so if you're banking on that for someone that you're interested, just know that's a big risk. And uh, if you invest yourself into that relationship now, you may find yourself five years from now or ten years from now, and they're still heavy in that lifestyle. And now you're linked in union with someone in marriage uh, in something that you thought was not going to be the case. And I think that's a, that's a bad place to be, to be honest. Okay, I want to move on to um, a little bit of a different category, and I'm having to skip a bunch that I really liked, but I think it's, it's important to skip to a different category. Um, I want to move to talk a little bit about boundaries and even some sexual sin. We talked all last week about sexuality, um, and so these were some that got sent in that I think would be really helpful too. So first one, what is the line between a healthy physical relationship and an unhealthy physical relationship before marriage. What's the line between a healthy physical relationship and an unhealthy physical relationship before marriage? The moment that your body starts to prepare itself for sex with the person that you're with, you've gone too far. Do I need to go into any (laughs) examples of that? So with that being said, like, you know, you know yourself so the moment that you feel that that happening, just know that that's, that's the line. So that could be different for different people. Um, but, you know, so I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say push that line as far as, you're, as you can go. But I think similarly with that question, it's like how far can I get towards the cliff without jumping off? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this, that's the same type of question that you're asking. Like why would you want to push that boundary. Um, so that's what I would have to say for that. Anybody else? I'm just going to say this. Uh, sin has a price tag. So you may enjoy something now, but you're going to pay later. Mm. Um, it's 
it's borrowing um, trouble mm. if you're headed towards marriage. But the thing is, most of the time, when you make those compromises, it ruins the relationship, and you may never make it to marriage. And then what? Then you, you're hurt. You're wounded. You're, the enemy gets in your mind and says all these things about you that you have a hard time combating. And you know, so and and I'll, uh, you know, if you do cross a boundary, um, experiences have memories attached to them, mm, right. and so it's it's hard because then you may it's kind of like have you ever have you ever had a song that was attached to a relationship and later on you're not in that relationship but every time that song comes on it gets you back to that relationship you know and it's like oh man you know well that kind of thing there are things that are our, our brains have pathways and you know if we don't operate within godly boundaries we're in trouble song of solomon the very beginning of that speaks of that don't awaken an appetite before it's ready you know before they're married is what he's talking about there so i would never crave chocolate had i never tasted chocolate but i love chocolate i wish i'd never tasted it but got some extra pounds because of it you know? I mean, don't go there that's great yeah i think i would add to just you know God created sex, like sex is a good thing. God is pro-sex for that. So um, I don't want to get you guys like to have that misconception, but he created it for the right purpose. Um, God created um, sex to be enjoyed by um, a person of the opposite sex in marriage. And that's the proper way to enjoy it. Just like you would enjoy a campfire in a campfire setting. If you took that campfire out of the campfire setting, you could hurt somebody or you could hurt yourself. Um, so in the same way, like God created you to do sexual acts with a person of the opposite sex in the right context, and you can enjoy them better that way. So when you take them out of your context, um, you don't get to enjoy them as much. And then just like Miss Beth was saying, like it can create a lot of baggage, bringing it into your future marriage with your spouse. Um, like, I mean, I, I lost my virginity in high school. Like I don't get to, um, you know, I don't get to lose my virginity with my wife now. Like I have to bring that baggage into marriage because of the mistakes that I made before, um, before I got married and, and, you know, so I don't get to, I don't get to give her that gift, you know? So a lot of purity that you're storing up now or that you start doing now, you can then bring that to your wife as a gift and say, hey, I, I waited because I think you're special, I care about you and I want to enjoy this moment with you and for the rest of my life with you. So there's the kind of the motivational piece leading into that as well. Yeah. So yeah, I have two, two quick thoughts. One is that, um, you know, I'm sure you all have met people that are in like a super, toxic relationship that everyone's like, why are y'all together? Just break up. Like it's, it's ridiculous, you know? And it's like, but they're bonded to each other through sex. And what sex does is it releases all kinds of chemicals in your body that bonds you to that person. And so you can't see clearly mm -hmm. the person that you're dating. And everyone around is like, why are y'all still dating? You know, you shouldn't be dating, but they're literally addicted to the chemicals that are getting released. And that's why they keep staying together. Mm -hmm. And so God wants you to walk in a marriage very uh, eyes wide open and clear. Having said all that, very quickly, there are many of you who right now feel very guilty and beaten up because you have a sexual past. I wanna be clear that 
what we're not saying is that if you have messed up sexually, that now you suck as a Christian. Because Jesus' blood is so much richer and so much more beautiful than any of your past sins. Right. Jesus is not up there going, oh, that's, that's too yucky for me. No, his blood is so sufficient. You do not have to be embarrassed or worried. Bring your sins at the altar of God's grace and that's experience right. his love and forgiveness right. in your life. Just because you've had sex, you could have sex with 100 people. That doesn't mean that you cannot be redeemed, that you can't be loved and known by God, and that you can't have a marriage that pleases God. Because God's grace far surpasses any sexual sin. What we're trying to do is help you see how do I avoid those problems going forward, not to beat you up for what has happened in the past. That's right. That's right. That's good. And I would just add, too, just at the very end of that, um, and I hesitate to do that because I think that's a beautiful way to end it. But um, I think the question is the wrong question. The right question is, how much can I honor God with everything in my life? How much can I honor God with everything in my life, including my physical intimacy or sexual intimacy with someone I'm dating? And so I think you got to readjust what you're asking, not how close can I get before I'm wrong, but how much can I honor God with every single part of my life? Um, is it okay to live with or spend the night with your girlfriend or your boyfriend? Just drop that one in there. Yikes. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say no. We were talking about this behind the stage, and Jake and I both kind of had the same thought earlier as we were preparing. But um, whenever you're sleeping in the bed with somebody, and we, the Lord made us with hormones and parts, as Jake has covered, um, <laughs> that, you know, we were meant to have sex with our husband one day um, or wife. And whenever we're laying in the bed with somebody, we are training our mind to think, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. So then whenever you are married, that's the thought pattern you have. Like Miss Beth said, we have neural pathways that we're creating with every thought. And as you are training yourself, don't have sex, don't have sex, that doesn't just stop whenever you get married. Um, so that's something that is the price that you pay for the sin. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, stay as far away as you can. Why would you put yourself in that situation? That's an impossible situation. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is possible, but I think it's very, very difficult to uh, keep yourself from crossing a boundary that you've set. So why would you put yourself in that situation? Um, what is the right course of action for a couple who has already fallen into sexual sin but wants to change? Like, is there really any hope that they could change their ways and resist temptation now if they've already gone down that path? Great question. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, there is. Absolutely. Um, what, what, when I've helped students walk through this in the past, though, I will say this. If you both have decided, I want to pursue Jesus, we have this past, but we want to walk in purity, you're going to have to have some uh, very intense, hard and fast boundaries that you set up in your life. Yeah. Uh, the, the easiest, most straightforward boundary, if you want to walk in sexual purity, is to never be in a room alone with the opposite sex. Just go ahead, and that, that's whether you've had sex or not before. Because if you are not in a room alone, it is very hard to 
uh, you know, really mess up. And, and here's the other thing. Man, enjoy just having extremely fun dates, you know? Go on a walk together, you know? Go play disc golf. Go play basketball. Like, do fun things together. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's amazing the opportunities for fun dates you have when you're in college. And, uh, and so you don't have to be stuck in a room watching movies. That's boring. Like, do something <laughs> fun. Don't be an old fuddy-duddy and just sit around. That's what my dad does. He's 82. He sits around and watch movies. Don't do that. So, you know. But you're saying disc golf is fun? Let's I, make that I like disc golf. <laughs> okay. I personally like disc All golf. Right. But, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll take you sometime. We'll, we'll play. But, yeah, but it's like, you know, I think people just got in the, get the trap of just like, oh, i got to watch a movie in my. You know, I, I had students like, well, we didn't know what else to do, so we just watched movies in the bed, you know. And I'm like, oh, and you messed up again. Like, are you surprised, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, how would you not do that? Yeah. So I, I think you got to have really hard and fast rules. Um, and it's absolutely, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting in the Spirit and having great boundaries, absolutely. But you can't look at the world for your sense of, like, what's appropriate. Yeah, You've got to say, if, if purity is the goal, if holiness is the goal, then we're going to have to really have some, some hard boundaries. That's right. Um, kind of finish up this section with this question. At what point in the relationship should you have clear, intentional talks about the past and the future? So is there kind of a time period of like, you know, we don't want to be first date just going, all right, here's what I did with my ex-girlfriend. Um, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> okay. So at what point is it okay to have really clear, intentional talks about our past, but also our hopes for the future? Well, I think that's different for, you know, individual couples, but it is very important that your full disclosure before you enter into um, engagement and never go into marriage with those types of secrets, mm. if at all possible, because um, it can be detrimental later. Uh, it breaks trust and a lot of things. Yeah. But um, I would say as soon as you establish uh, that you are like some of the things we've talked about already, we, you are going in the same direction. You are pursuing the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. You have the same goals in life, your own mission together. Um, you feel like that you guys can do the, uh, more for the kingdom of God together than you ever could separately. You're very complimentary in your spiritual gifts and your, um, your iron sharpening iron in that relationship. Once you feel like that is established, then you need to begin to be more transparent if you are working or if you're going towards marriage. Um, I think oftentimes, um, I'm not a guy, but for a girl, it's a feeling more. Like you may feel something uh, romantically and quicker uh, and, and take your mind to the future because that was part of the question, the future. Yeah, yeah. Don't say that on the second date. Don't say that early on. That'll scare him away, I mean, for sure. But um, just be take your time in sharing that. Um, I'm going to tell you from my own personal experience, um, Jeff was the first one to say, I love you. And I, my response was not, I love you too. My response was, do not tell me that again unless you've prayed. And he was like, what? But, and it was three more months before I was able to say, and those, because those words are meaning, have meaning behind them for me. Yeah. Three more months before I was able to say to him, I love you. And so, but see, he led in that. And so, 
you know, I think it's important that we, um, once we establish where the relationship is headed, that we're fully disclose um, things. Now, I don't think it's always appropriate to share details of previous relationships, like graphically. But I do think it's important to, in generalities, say, you know, Mike, I've experienced this or that. Yeah. Because especially, I think, it, we just don't need those visuals, you know. But that's my take on it. That's good. I think a, a quick thing to think through is just that you're – you're forecasting the next phase of the relationship, whatever you're in, and you don't need to forecast five levels away. So if you really like the person and you want to forecast like, hey, I really enjoy being with you, I like, I'd like to go on another date with you, that's all you need to say. You, can't, you don't have to say, hey, I really would love to take you out again, and I think we'll get married in six months. You know, you <laughs> just say like, hey, I really enjoyed, like, could we go out again? You know, and if you're dated long enough and you want to be exclusive, then you communicate hey, I would love to take this relationship to be exclusive. Like, how do you feel about that? And then when you've done that long enough and you're ready to get married, then you ask them to marry you. And so I think you just, you're just forecasting one step at a time. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Okay, I want to move kind of to the next uh, section, kind of the last one that we'll cover um, that really revolves more around kind of the brokenness. I know we've gone there a little bit, but some brokenness of... Any previous relationships or mistakes, and then healing around that as well, because there was a lot of questions around that. So um, let me start with this one. I often find myself running away from God because I continue to fall into sexual sin, and I'm ashamed of it. Does God still love me even though I continue to struggle? Does God still love me even though I continue to struggle? Um. For whoever asked that question, um, thank you for asking that question. Mm. Um, I know that it can be very hard um, just dealing with sexual sin, sexual temptation. Um, and I just want you to know that you are not alone in that. Um, but to answer your question, absolutely, God still loves you. And when you hear the lies of the enemy telling you that God is done with you, that God wants nothing to do with you, you're disgusting, you've blown it again, like God is not gonna take you back this time. Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is one of the ultimate truths that you can sit on, no matter how many times that you fall into sexual sin, no matter how many times you've messed up with your girlfriend, whatever it may be. Um, when you hear the lies of the enemy saying that, just know that that's not God. Mm -hmm. God is saying, come back to me, keep coming back to me, I will forgive you, come back to me, let me fix this, let me handle it, let me deal with it, because we are so powerless on our own to deal with that. God died for porn addicts, God died for sexual sins, same-sex attraction, whatever it may be that you're struggling with and feel like that you are too far gone for God to deal with you. God died for the absolute worst person, the worst sin. Um, and those are doubts that I've had to face over the years, too, just from being so deep into my sin. And that's kind of the consequences of sin is that it breaks fellowship with God. But, and that just gives the enemy a foothold when we do sin. But I want to encourage you in that, is that keep coming back to God. 
like repent and come back. Like God gives us the gift of repentance, the gift of grace where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. And I want to encourage you and remind you of that. Now, does that mean that we can just keep sinning and sinning and do whatever we want? No, like repentance and grace calls for change. God wants you to change. He wants you to be sanctified. First Thessalonians four talks about that, that God's will is for you to be sanctified, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So on the flip side of that, Um, I encourage you along with knowing that you are forgiven, that you are loved because Jesus died on the cross for you. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus, your sins past, present, and even the future sins that you haven't committed yet, those are forgiven. God knew before the world was created that you were going to commit those sins in the first place. And he still said, I'm going to save that guy. I'm going to save that girl and bring them into my family. Um, but on the flip side of that, I encourage you, yes, like if you are struggling with those thoughts and then you're not seeking accountability in that or you ha- and you haven't confessed these sins to anybody, that's the next step in that. Confess to somebody like, hey, I am struggling with this and I need to seek counsel. Seek a, for guys, seek a older godly man in this subject. For girls, seek an older godly woman in this subject and just seek accountability and, and confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. That's James 5.16. That's along with confessing your sin to God um, and learn how to grow in this area. Don't just stay there. But the main point of that is this, is that God does love you. There's no sin that you can do. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's salvation to begin with. And there's nothing that you can do to undo that. So that's what I want to remind you guys of. Praise God. Yeah, let's move on. That was great. Why do I pursue guys that want nothing to do with me, but I'm repulsed by the guys who actually treat me the way I deserve to be treated? I think that is a very honest, real question. Why do I pursue guys that want nothing to do with me, but I'm repulsed by the guys who actually treat me the way I deserve to be treated? Any thoughts? I I do think it. I think that uh, you need to look at yourself. Um, there's a heart issue. There's a lie that you're believing about mm. yourself that more than likely you're believing you're not worthy of someone like that, that is a lover of Jesus. Um, and maybe you you are participating in a sin or you have in the past that you feel like God can't forgive you for, so you are no, you're not worthy of someone like that. Mm. More times than not, it's collect. It's connected to a lie that, for a woman, uh, that we are believing about ourselves. I would also say, too, what are you feeding your mind? Um, Because whether it's the music we listen to or the movies that we watch, the TV shows that we watch, what goes in here ends up here. And um, I know Brandon, our senior pastor here, has said, where your heart sits is where your heart is set. I might have got that mixed up, but something like that. Where your heart, yeah. Um, pretty, yeah. Yeah, I got it. Um, so I just think that's important too. Like, look at what you're listening to, um, what you're looking at, what are you being fed, um, and then analyze the situation of what you're going after. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, a little bit, even a, um, a really deep, tough question. Um, how do I move on with God and be ready for the right relationship after I've been raped? How do I move on with God and be ready for the right relationship after I've been raped or, or just maybe experience some sort of level of physical abuse? So 
So anytime that someone's experienced a, uh, a profound trauma, it's going to affect how uh, they experience the world. Mm. And so if you've experienced that level of trauma, whether you were molested as a child, you were raped, whatever trauma you perhaps have experienced, you really need to pursue that um, with a Christian counselor who can help you process the deep um, pain and emotions that you're feeling. It's not something where one of us can give you like a quick little Bible verse up here and it'll fix it, you know? It's something where you, you're gonna need to walk deeply with someone yeah. through the deep emotional pain that you've experienced, but Christ can redeem that. Um, but it's, it's, it's walking through that with someone who can help shine the light of the gospel into the darkness that you're experiencing, but do not walk through it alone um, and find, yeah, a good Christian counselor who can help you unpack how does the truth of the gospel apply to that, that pain. And yes, Christ can certainly heal and redeem whatever pain that is. I've seen it over and over, but you definitely don't need to be doing that alone. Yeah. And I would add, too, I, I don't know exactly the wording here. I may be off on this, but when we talk about how do I move on, um, the good news is this. You don't have to move on. It's not like God's asking you to just leave it behind and forget about it and just move forward. Um, if anything, what God wants is, is for you to invite him into that journey of letting him heal the pain in that process. And so it's not like... How do I just forget about it and just move forward? You don't have to. I think the invitation is to invite God into your pain and let him walk you through that journey. It's not about forgetting it and moving on. It's about healing from it. And so um, I just would encourage you, resist the temptation to think I just have to get it behind me and go forward. Sometimes you have to go back to go forward. And going back to do the work of, of, man, what did that do to my soul? And what did that do to my brain and, and the wiring and all that kind of stuff? That's important. So um, I think every single one of us w would say, man, you need to go see a Christian counselor. You need to go see a Christian therapist. And um, along with what is the biblical wisdom um, of how God can heal you in that. So thank you for asking that question, whoever. Okay, getting down to the last few. Um, since the Bible talks about forgiveness and unconditional love, should I continually take someone back even though they continue to hurt me? So whether they hurt me emotionally, physically, um, just maybe they've cheated on someone, uh, because of grace and forgiveness, does that mean I just need to forgive them and welcome them back into a relationship with me? No. no. The answer is just no, all around. Okay. <laughs> why? Someone say, why, why is that uh, opposite of maybe the grace and forgiveness that the Bible talks about? Well, just, you know, Jesus came with grace and truth. Mm. So grace and truth are never divorced from each other. Um, and so grace means that you don't punch that person in the face. That's grace, you know. <laughs> Uh, but, no, but grace is that you can still be, like, a loving, kind person. You're not gossiping, slandering them. But truth is, you can keep hurting me. And I, since I'm a child of God, my identity's in him. I'm not going to allow you to continually 
to hurt me. And I can tell you this, whatever red flags you see in your dating life, they're going to be amplified in marriage. Yes. Like whatever, like you, you get little glimpses of maybe a temper or here or there, whatever that is, it, it gets multiplied in marriage. The complexity of the issues that you have to deal with in marriage and when you have kids and you're trying to do a thousand things like that's so much more complex than are we going to eat at El Sam or El Rink tonight, you know? And so like whatever the Tough things question. are that you're dealing with, they're amplified later. So if you think, oh, I'm dating this person. Yeah, they've got, they got a temper. They hit me. But, oh, in marriage, they'll be great. No, if they're hitting you now, they're going to hit you worse later. Mm. Whatever abuse they're giving to you now, it's going to be worse later. So, yeah, you need to get out and tell them, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to allow myself to be injured by this situation because once you're married, it becomes really a thousand times harder to get out of that hole. Yes, a thousand percent. I love, I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago about the importance of um, rather than being infatuated with someone, you be interested in someone. And interest causes you to ask the right questions about somebody. Interest causes you to go, man, maybe the fact that they treat me like this now should, should throw up some red flags about who they are and their character and that kind of thing. So if you will stay interested in someone, then those kinds of things, like Jay said, will be warning signs for you. And that means you should get out immediately. Okay, let me wrap up. Last question here. What is my role in helping a friend that is in an unhealthy relationship? So for the, the person out here who um, is a believer, is following Jesus, but they see a friend who is in something that's toxic or unhealthy, is there, do they have a role in maybe saying, hey, you should, you should jump out of this or at least pay attention to what's going on here? And if they do have a role, how should they go about that? I think a true friend speaks up and speaks into it, um, even if it's painful to say or painful to hear. Um, I think it's very important that you value um, and you have ears to hear uh, what your parents would say about your potential, your significant other, um, what your church, the, the leaders of your church would have to say about them and their character and your community, those people that you do life with, because they are all able to see things. You know, when you put something really close, you can't focus fully. But someone, if you're stepping back from it, you can see into it a little bit better. Yeah. And so those around you are going to be able to speak into that. Uh, and, you, and we all need to be open to that. Uh, in relationships and in all areas of life. We need those people that we go, that are in our, our inner circle, that we go heart to heart with, and that we give permission to speak into those things that are significant in our lives, mm. so. Yeah, that's great. I would encourage you to, if, if that's you, um, sit down with your friend who's in that relationship and ask questions. Don't come in with a lot of statements of, here's what I know and here's what I would do or you're an idiot or whatever, that kind of stuff. Just ask questions. Hey, what do you think it means um, that he continues to treat you that way? 
or what, what do you think it means that, that she has all guy friends? <laughs> uh, what, like, ask questions and just get them thinking. And if you'll allow them to think and them to answer the questions, a lot of times that comes across better than you just sitting there and blasting them with your opinions, okay? I'm so grateful for each of you. Thank you all for doing this. I know we're running late on time, but um, for those of you, I'm going to dismiss um, our panel in just a little bit. But I do want to say this. For those of you who you sent in questions and maybe we didn't get to the questions, um, that doesn't mean that your question can never get answered. And you're in an incredible place in this town where there are, man, tons of great ministries that are represented up here. So whether it's us, whether it's crew, whether it's AIA, whether it's another church, whatever it is, there are people who would love to answer your questions. And so if your question didn't get addressed tonight, um, don't just throw it aside. Man, if you need that answered, then go find a community of believers or a pastor or someone who can give you insight into that question. It doesn't have to be something that you just never find out an answer to, okay?